Hey guys, welcome to our online message. This series is called Courageous Hearts, which talks about pursuing the call of God and how the gospel has such an impact on our communities. Hope you guys enjoy. Let's just rest here in his presence for just a moment. Lord, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your comfort. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We ask this morning, Lord, that you will minister to us today, that you will speak to our hearts. Lord, that you will be the one to call us to be courageous where we need to be courageous. Lord, I thank you that you are a good father, that you aren't um, pushy, you aren't hasty, that that you call us gently, that you are patient with us. Oh, I thank you that you're patient with us. Lord, I thank you that every person who's here right now and who's listening in on the live stream, that they're here and they're listening for a reason, Lord, to hear your voice, to hear what you're saying to us individually and to hear what you're saying to us as a church. And we just say we're here to hear. We're here to listen. Will you open our ears? Will you get rid of anything in the way between us and you? In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen. You may take your seats. Thank you, worship team. How are we going this morning, everybody? We good? Yes? Let's see a thumbs up if you're good. Great. That's good. And you know what? If you're not good, that's okay as well. Here at Lifehouse, we are real, we're family, and uh, we support and love each other when we're going good, um, but we support and love each other when we're not as well. So a little disclaimer there. Well, we are in a... um, brand new series called Courageous Hearts. And you're like, wait, weren't we just in that series? Uh, Sort of. (laughs) Strong and Courageous is our vision for the year. Uh, And every month we're going to be looking at a different aspect of how we can be strong and courageous. And so this month we're looking at having a courageous heart. Somebody say courageous heart. Courageous heart. That's good. I feel really excited about this one. I feel... God's kind of stirring in my heart and um, I just want to give you a question right off the bat. question is this, what does it mean to belong? What do you think it means to belong? And what does it mean to belong here at church? I grew up in this church. I've been coming here since 2000. So... 24, wait, what year are we in? 23. 23 years. (laughs) Whoops. Um, 23 years. And I grew up sitting right probably about where where Yana is sitting, I would say. It was where I would would sit with my parents as a little kid. Um, My parents believed that Sunday was a family day. Um, And so rather than sending me out with the rest of the kids, I was in the service, which was, you know, a good thing. But it did mean I I really didn't have any friends. So there was that as well. Um, I remember sitting there and um, often I really wasn't engaged. I mean, Pastor Ray is an amazing 
preacher, if anyone remembers Pastor Ray Betcher who founded the church, but really I kind of spent the whole sermon kind of like this. Even during worship, I remember just sitting back. This couch is so comfy, actually. <laughs> I might just stay here. I, I remember just sitting with my arms crossed and everyone's like, you know, worshipping, and I was like, yep. When do we get to leave and I get the bickies, Mum? I want the church, after church bickies, and then I want to go home straight away. That's, that's really my posture. And I remember one Sunday, um, we were picking up my sister from, from youth camp and we were going to the night service. I chose to go to that night service with my mum because it was a shorter service than the one my dad went to in the morning. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, be there for too long. And so... I was here with mum and um, the whole service was pretty well over. We were just um, worshipping and Pastor Mark, he got up the front. I remember it all so clearly. God had a plan for me this night. Um, Mark got up the front, he stood about here and I was sitting probably where Carolyn was, even maybe a bit further back, about where Dudley is. And um, again, I was doing the whole one of these. When something really, really strange happened. I felt God call me. I felt a, a prompting on my heart. I don't know how else to put it. I just, I felt, I felt something. I felt God move on my heart when Pastor Mark stood up the front and he said, if anyone wants to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, come up the front. Now, I hadn't even really ever heard of it. Maybe I'd heard sermons on it before, but I'd never registered it. But when I was standing there, maybe sitting, I can't remember. Actually, I was standing, but we're doing this for the illustration. Arms crossed, not engaged in worship. I felt the prompting of God and I turned to my mum and I was like, hey, mum, should I go down the front? She was like, uh, if you want to. You know, not very helpful, really. It wasn't like, yes, come on, girly, go get it. She was like, oh, yeah, if you want. And I think that was on purpose. I think, I think God wanted me to actually make a decision for myself that I was saying yes to him, that I wasn't just coming to church because it was what my family did, I wasn't just here to tick off some religious box. He, he wanted me to say, all right, no, I am here for God and I'm saying yes to him. And so at that moment, even though my mum didn't help me at all, I decided, okay, I'm going to walk down the front. And I did. And I came up the front and my sister and a couple girls prayed for me to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I don't even know what it was. But they prayed for me and I started speaking in tongues, which is um, a heavenly language that God gives us. And um, I was like, what? This is absolutely weird, but amazing. And, and the, the, what I felt was so tangible. I remember physically shaking and I had never had any sort of like... I guess you could say spiritual God experience that actually affected my, my body and my, my words. And, and I remember shaking and praying in tongues. And let me tell you, from that day forward, my entire life changed. It was the moment for me where I was like, God is real. I went from being a spectator to being a partaker. And that has been a real mission, a real um, word that I felt that God has placed in my heart for my life. And, and it's a word I feel he's placed in my heart for this morning to move us from a place of spectating to partaking, to not just be sitting back and watching God use other people to do amazing things, but to be on the front foot, to be in the field, to be saying, yes, God, use me in whatever that looks like. I'm here for it and, I'm, and, I, and I want it. 
That's what happened to me in 2012. Oh, my, my iPad's going to keep dying. Got it. 2012, I went from being a spectator to being a partaker. During worship, I went from this, even on a Sunday morning, right, I went from this to arms up in the air worshipping God. I remember going to school and, and I went from kind of being one of these Christians where when people said, hey, what did you do on the weekend? I'd be like, oh, you know, nothing much, just chilled out a bit. And I started saying, hey, you know what? I went to church and let me tell you what we talk about at church, hey, hey. Jesus loves you, right? He died for you and he loves me and he died for me and I love him so much and he loves you so much and I just, I went a little bit crazy. I was like so excited. I was up and about. I couldn't sit still. I'm like, God is so good. You need to know him. You know, even with my music, I kind of went from like just kind of blending in and listening to all the, the comfortable music that wouldn't cause any weird conversations like, you know, people listening to the latest songs and instead of me being like, oh, yeah, I know that song, I've been listening to it all the time, I was like, oh, I, don't, I haven't heard that one yet because instead of just kind of listening to anything, trash stuff that filled my brain, I started actually listening to worship music. To be specific, I listen to country gospel music. Any country, country gospel music fans out there? Come on. Not many, but we, we represent. Um, <laughs> and I was like filling my mind with the word of God. And, and I, I, I went from like kind of having my Bible just, just I, in fact, I wouldn't even be able to tell you where it was. I had one. Um, I, I went from just kind of not picking it up to, to picking it up and believing it and reading it and applying it to my life and, and hungering after it. Um, I went from kind of blending in and being comfy in the conversation with my friends where, you know, sometimes people think it's, it's fun to laugh at other people and, you know, I'd go from joining in or gossiping and swearing a bit and all of a sudden I was like, you know, I'm not just going to sit down and be comfy and blend in with this. I, I couldn't help it. I stood out like a sore thumb. I, <laughs> I wasn't swearing. I, wasn't, I was trying my best not to gossip or to speak bad and to use my words with, with kindness and to speak about people with love and the way that Jesus would. My whole life changed. I went from being comfy and just putting all my time and effort into, into my future and things that would benefit me to, to doing whatever I could to love those around me and to be used by God and to follow his word and his voice and his spirit every day. I went from making decisions based upon my own comfort to making decisions based on what God was calling me to moment by moment. I want to ask you a question. Is there an area in your life right now where you're sitting down where God wants you to be standing up. Maybe you're a boss or a manager and you're noticing a little bit of toxic conversation. You're noticing that people aren't kind of treating people right and instead of turning a blind eye, instead you, you, you speak up and you instigate some change in that. Maybe you've got a really comfortable group of friends and you've just got your circle and, and you're just happy just with, with, your, with your gang, but God's calling you, hey, I don't just want you to be comfortable. I want you to live purposeful. I want you to actually stand up and love the marginalised, love the lonely, love those who are insecure. Maybe that's what God's calling you to. 
Maybe someone has done something that has really offended and hurt you and you're kind of over here on the couch of bitterness, growing really annoyed, thinking about how painful that situation was or how frustrating they are or just how you want to get back at them sometime. And Maybe God's calling you to get up from from the couch of, of criticism and bitterness and actually choose to love and forgive and be reconciled with them. There's a Bible verse for that. Matthew 5 says, Therefore... If you're offering your gift on the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, right? That they've done something to hurt you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. This is how important this is to God. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. Maybe that's what God's calling you to to stand up in. Maybe you've been living comfy. Your main concerns have been for your comfort and the comfort of your family. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but maybe God's calling you instead of just living to please only your immediate family, that rather than negating your family, God's, God wants to widen your family, stretch your family out so that you can see everyone, all your brothers and sisters, all your uncles and aunties and the family of God who are there for you to love and encourage, not just the three or four or, in the Timothy's case, 12. <laughs> 11. Sorry. Oh, that's not a prophetic word, I don't think. <laughs> One more in Jesus' name. I want to invite up my good friend, Charlotte Borman, who's going to read a, um, a, a chunk of scripture with us today. Thanks, Charlotte. I'm just going to take a seat. Awesome. All right, I'm reading 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Um, The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weak and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the believers so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer along with it. And if one part is honoured, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So good. Let's give her a round of applause. 
What a good verse. Our series is called Courageous Hearts, right? I think we, we understand that. But if I was to give it a subtitle, it would be Courageous Hearts, Elbows, Little Toes, Tongues, Lungs, Spleens, and All That's Unseen. <laughs> Gotta run. <laughs> I love the idea of the church, of you and me, all of us together and those who aren't even in the room today, of us being a body of Christ. You know, when there's something wrong with your body, who's ever had something wrong with their body? Right. Well, I think we've all had something wrong with our body, so maybe a few more things than others. But when something's going wrong with your body, do you just kind of ignore it and get on with the day? Some people do. But I bet you, I bet you you're still thinking about it. I bet you're still aware if you've got, um, right now my husband, both his shoulders are, are sore from something he did in cricket and he, he's super aware of it, you know, because when he goes to lift up his arms, it, it causes him pain. But I'm a little bit more of a wuss. I've got a little cut on my thumb right now. I've got a cat, so cat owners understand. Um, and, and like, I, I'm so aware of even just a little nick on my finger. I, I wash my hair differently. I'll try and, you know, move my finger away so that I don't know if anyone... This is just me, I'm a bit of a wuss. Um, I'll get changed differently so that I don't hurt that little, that little nick on my finger. Hayden Schultz has got no idea what I'm talking about because he gets a slice in his body and you, he uses gaffer tape. <laughs> don't recommend, but... You know, we're really aware and we, we give extra care to our body when we're hurting. We're just, we, we think about it, we tend to it, we look after it, we, we do whatever we can to try and see that thing have, have healing and to, to get better. And that, that's part of the picture of us as the body of Christ. When someone is suffering, we shouldn't just be ignoring it or walking away from it or, or just even not knowing about it. We, we should be aware of it because they're part of the body of Christ. <laughs> Even if it's just a little nick on the finger, we should be showing empathy and compassion and tenderness and care towards each other. And the other part of this, this picture of being a body is um, if you've ever kind of needed physio or I guess if you've had some type of serious health condition and you've started to notice a difference in your body, all of a sudden you can, you can move that limb away that you couldn't before. Like when I bas ba ba what? Busted. That's busted my back. Um, I, I was like, I couldn't really move at all, to be honest. Um, and so when I started being able to sit down and stand up, I was like, yes, come on, go back. You're amazing. I was like super excited at seeing this change in my body and, and my body healing and, and growing and, and, and getting better. And that's another, another picture of how we as a body of Christ are meant to be. You know, when we see someone winning in a struggle, when someone who's struggled with a certain area of temptation and they're like, oh, you know, it's been two weeks now since I've, I've struggled with this, since I've fallen into that, we're like, yes, you go. That's amazing. You're incredible. Or if, if someone's got a, a physical healing in their body, being excited for them, for the wins in their life. If someone had been searching for a job for a long time and finally God provides and they get a job, we should be like, yes, you know, championing the body of Christ. And that can't always just be from the pastors. There's too many of you for it just to be two or three. That's got to be the body celebrating the body, us getting around each other within our home groups, within our day-to-day, -day, messaging, calling, supporting each other as a body supports and is unified together. This is how unified we are meant to be. 
how loving and caring and gentle and forgiving, showing grace, being aware of each other. This is what the body does, especially when the head of that body is Jesus Christ. That's what the body of Christ does. It says in John 17, well, Jesus says in John 17, this is one of the very last things he prays before his resurrected body goes up to the heavens. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, meaning the people that knew him when he was on earth, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Who's believed in Jesus through the message of the gospel? Well, then this passage is for you. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so the world will know and believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and in them and you in me, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them. Who's them? The world, that God loves the world as much as you love me. To summarise, Jesus says our best bet in getting other people saved and testifying to the world is the way that we are united together. What creates this unity, this bond between people of all different generations and races and personalities and everything that's going on? What creates this bond? It isn't just because we're all best friends and naturally get along. Who can testify to that? <laughs> oh, Walter. Walter put his hand up. Let's be real. The church isn't a social club. Turn to your neighbour and say, don't worry, I get along with you. And if you don't, that's right, you can love them anyway, yeah? Church isn't a social club. That is not what unites us and keeps us together. It's not just that all our personalities just gel perfectly. It's not. And if you're at church purely because you, you want to get along with everyone, you're actually not going to be here for long. Oh, I'm so sorry to say that. It's, it's true. Sooner or later, brother Lenny is going to offend you. Right? Sister Sophie won't invite you to the thing that everyone else is going to. Uncle Fred's personality is going to crash and clash real bad with yours. Pastor Mark might forget your name. <laughs> never happens, never happens. But it might. Uh, Pastor Josh might not reply to your text. I might, might say something offensive. All the time. Accidentally. <laughs> and if you're here just to do this, just to be comfy and just to get along with everyone and to 
you know, be best buddies all the time and just have everyone agree with you and have a good cup of coffee and just chill out all the time, you're very soon going to find another place to do that. I'm sorry, we're being real here this morning, aren't we? You're probably going to wind up in a coffee shop chatting with people who agree with you. Church, we are not united purely because of our personalities. Do you know what unites us? It is the Spirit of God. That's the verse that Charlotte read before. I'm not making it up. It's the Spirit of God inside of you. You and I carrying the exact same Holy Spirit. That is what you unites us. That is what brings us together because we have the same Spirit. And that Spirit helps us to love. Praise God. We all need that sometimes. The Holy Spirit helps us to forgive, helps us to look at someone with grace who we naturally want to smack across the head. Not from experience, I'm just guessing. (laughs) It's the Spirit of Christ that unites us, compels us to love, to forgive, to show grace. And when we're not doing those things, when we're not being that, when we aren't being one, it might be an indicator that we've started to let our sinful nature call the shots instead of letting the Holy Spirit inside of us guide us and teach us and to follow him. Here's a great Spurgeon quote on this. Why are we not one? Did I send this to you, Peter? Oh, it's there. Sin is the great dividing element. The perfectly holy would be perfectly united. The more saintly men are, the more they love their Lord and one another, and thus they come into closer union with each other. You might think that the reason for for a lack in unity or a lack in belonging is Cindy's issue. Yeah, it's because it's Elsie is rude and insensitive. Maybe you think if Fred wasn't such a jerk, then we'd all just get on and be one big happy family. If this person didn't lie to me, if they just showed me some empathy, if she didn't always make, rude, uh, make everything's about her, if that guy hadn't hurt me, if they had just included me. Well, the thing is, they aren't the issue. Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption. Come on, somebody, that came by Christ Jesus. Oh, I am grateful for that redemption and the grace that came by Christ Jesus. You know, when we've started to wonder, when bitterness and anger and comparison and jealousy starts to set in, the answer is the same as it's always been, and that is the cross. The answer isn't for us to start working harder and just trying to be better. The answer is to come back to Jesus and to remember the grace that he has shown us. 
to remember the salvation that He's given us, to remember that all our sins and mess-ups were washed away when Jesus died on the cross that day. And how much easier is it then to forgive other people when we remember, hey, I've been forgiven too. How much easier is it to love other people when we remember, oh, God loves me even though I'm not worth that love. How much easier is it to be unified together with the Spirit of Christ inside of us when we remember what Jesus Christ, our Saviour, has done for us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. To move from shame and blame to a place of grace. I asked earlier, what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to belong here at church? And that's a question I'd love for you to ponder this week, to think about, to pray about and seek God on. But if I was to kind of give a stab at it, at answering that, I would say that it's not just wearing the jersey, it's being on the field. It's not just wearing the jersey, it's being on the field. A few weeks ago, Brock and I um, had the pleasure of having Bronwyn and Lyle over for dinner. And um, we had lovely dinner and at the end, they decided to pray for us. Um, And as they were praying, I felt God give me a picture. I don't know if you've ever had that before, where God can just pop something in your mind. You know, it's kind of random. You weren't really thinking about it. And so you're like, oh, maybe that's something that God's saying to me. And so the picture that I saw, um, yeah, like I said, was random. We weren't thinking or talking about this. It It was like a stadium, like kind of Adelaide Oval style and all these seats around the place and the field in the middle. Uh, And I thought, cool, that looks good. But then I suddenly kind of could see and and zoom in on those chairs. I don't know how many chairs are at the Adelaide Oval. 60,000? More? No one knows. I looked at Ethan. Ethan, do you know? No, that's all right. It doesn't matter. It actually does not matter. I just keep moving on. Um, I I saw those chairs and I saw that they weren't um, complete. It was like you couldn't really sit on them. They didn't look very comfy. They didn't have that that cushion, but it was like two prongs of metal, like that. They weren't weren't sittable. If people came to that Adelaide Oval that day, uh, they would have just had to stand. And at first, when I saw that, um, I was talking with Brock and I was like, oh man, we must not be making people feel comfortable enough at church. Things must feel too uncomfy. Um, And and later that week, I had a chat with a couple of people who'd said this whole strong and courageous vision kind of made made some people feel a little uncomfortable. It was like, it's challenging. You know, I want to just, why do we need to go to a new land? Like, why do we need to cross a river? Why can't we just, why can't we just be comfy, you know, and and sit back? And and so when I I heard that, I, I felt a little disheartened. Like, oh, we're not doing a good enough job. Church needs to be somewhere that people can come in and they sit down and they hear the word and they get inspired and then they go back out and they they carry on with their lives. And in, in, in one aspect, yes, but as I'd been thinking this, I felt I felt God speak to me. And I felt him say, you know, that's really the whole point. That they're they're not meant to just be comfortable. They're meant to live purposeful. Not living every day comfortably, 
Although comfort is so good, man, like we, we learned from COVID with everyone buying toilet paper that, you know, we really put comfort on a pedestal in our culture. We, we appreciate comfort. We appreciate the couch. And I'm not talking about a physical couch here. I hope that you understand that. I have a couch in my house, would you believe? I'm talking about when it comes to following the call of God, to saying yes to Jesus, to, to choosing His will rather than our own when it comes to a situation where you feel the prompting of God to speak to someone and, and encourage them or to, to pray for them or, or to talk to them about coming to church or about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Or maybe it's to fulfil a need. You notice that someone doesn't have food and you're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm, I'm struggling even with just food for my family. But you're feeling God saying, no, nah, cook them a meal bring it around to their house or invite them into your house. Even though it's not comfortable, you might feel like your house is too small and your kids are too loud and it's just too crazy. But you're feeling God say, no, open up, be, be hospitable. That word hospitable in the Bible means to be, to be kind and hospitable to strangers, to love strangers and people that you don't know. And maybe that's something that God's saying, come on, I know this is nice. And, and you can stay here if you want. You can. God's not going to force you to get out. He's not going to prod you with an iron. That's what Satan does. You know, God's not doing that. But but maybe He's beckoning you. Maybe He's, he's calling out to you and saying, will you stand? Will you love? Will you look around to the body of Christ and those who are yet to join and reach out your hand and bless them and care for them and, and be generous towards them? To be a partaker and not just a spectator. To be purposeful and not just comfortable. We think that we can find belonging in comfort. Just having a good comfy group of friends and just, you know, having our seat that we sit in. It's not belonging. His purpose It's having a reason that you wake up every day to live for something that is bigger and greater than yourself, to be driven by eternity for eternity. You know, we can't take money into heaven when we die. We can't take our home. We can't take our status. But the one thing that we can take is people. The one thing that can be with us in heaven is not our worldly possessions. It's people. It's our friends and our families and our workmates and our school people and our youth people and those people out on the streets and in the medium strip that that Howard prophesied about. It's those people that we can take with us into heaven. That is worth living for. In fact, Jesus says that was worth dying for. How easy would it have been for Jesus? He's up in the throne room of God. There is no mess. There's no dirt. There's no stinky humans. There's no pain. Definitely no death. How easy would it have been for Jesus just to say no? To say no to the cross. To say no to the whole actually coming down in the form of a baby and living this life. How easy and comfortable would it have been? But aren't you glad that Jesus, on that day, aren't you glad that he didn't choose comfort? 
Aren't you glad that he wasn't found sleeping with the disciples in the garden of Gethsemane? Aren't you glad that he didn't choose comfort over you and me? Aren't you glad he didn't choose comfort over being with us in eternity? I am glad that Jesus went to the cross and died for me and washed away my sins as far as the east is from the west. I am glad that Jesus gave his life for me so that I could be with him. Are you glad this morning for the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus that he didn't choose the couch? He chose the cross. He didn't choose the comfort of heaven. He chose you and me. The Bible says for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame for you and for me. Will you stand with me this morning? And I want to just ask right here, if there's anyone who's never given their life to Jesus before, And you're right now realising, oh my gosh, I can't stay seated anymore. I can't just watch this thing happen. I I, I need to stand. I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to come before Him and say, Father, forgive me. I want to be yours. I want to be a child of heaven. I want to be a child of God. And and God says that that's all we need to do. All we need to do is just say, God, I need you. Forgive me, come into my life. That's all we need to do. It's no special formula. It's a relationship with Jesus that we come before Him. And so with every eye closed right now, if you've never made that decision before, if you're watching on the live stream and you want to make that decision and get up off the couch and to come and stand before Jesus and ask Him into your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I'm not going to call you out or get you up on stage. It's just a sign between you and God saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. Is there anyone right now where you place your hand in the air? Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. Praise God. Yes, over there. Is there anyone else this morning? Yes, praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to pray together and then we're going to do a bit more prayer and then we'll get into worship. So let's let's pray together if you want to repeat after me. And if you are in the body of Christ and you, if you have understood that Jesus has saved you, I want you to pray with me to make everyone else feel comfortable who's praying this for the first time. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving your life for me. I know I'm not worthy. I know I've made mistakes. But I thank you for your grace. I receive you now into my life. Make me a new creation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's just give a round of applause. That is the best decision. We know that. I can testify to that. That is the best decision that you will ever make. Now, not forgetting about the rest of you. When I was 14 years old, standing at the back of that room, and I felt the prompting of God on my life to not just stay seated and stay comfortable and let each day go past. When God called me, I um, mustered all the courage that I could, and I walked down the front. And there, God took the reins. He showed me his love. He showed me his mission. He showed me his purpose. And I knew, oh my gosh, I'm not here by mistake. 
My life has purpose. And I was able to start living that life of purpose right then and there with the same school, with the same friends, with the same situation, with the same parents. The only thing that changed is that I had accepted that call of God on my life. And this morning, God is calling you. There are people right now who have never said yes to the call of God. And you feel that. You feel that, that God is prompting you. You feel this, this, this tug on your heart. Maybe you've never felt that before. Maybe you felt it and you've decided, no, I want to stay comfy. That's okay. There's grace for that. God's not condemning you. He's not, he doesn't have that, that prodder in your back. He's just calling you. He's calling you. The Bible says many are called. Few are chosen. The way that we become part of that chosen is saying yes to Jesus. And all of a sudden, we become one of those parts in the body, you know, one of the important parts in the body of Christ. So this morning, if you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to take that step, I invite you to come down the front and, and myself and, and Mark and um, some of the key leaders and board, we're, we're going to be praying for you. We want to lay hands and, and kind of, thanks, Bronwyn. <laughs> kind of um, commission you to the work that God's doing and maybe pray for you to be baptised in the Holy Spirit or just pray that you'll have an encounter with God that that will set you on fire and ready to go out and do all that He's called you to do. And, and so I know that that's not comfortable. I understand that. I understand it, it isn't comfy and not everyone needs to do this, but if you feel that call on your heart to step out, to start living purposefully, and not just comfortably. I want to encourage you right now, even before the worship team starts singing, although I'm going to get you guys out and, and to start singing soon. Beautiful. Thank you, Catherine. Anyone else who wants to say yes to the purpose of God? Yes. Karen's up here. All right. Well, as we're worshipping, start coming. And um, we're going to be praying for you and commissioning you to the work of God, which means basically sending you out. Jesus says that. He says, I'm sending you. So let's worship and we'll, we'll pray. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If this message resonated with you guys at all, head to our website and tell us all about it. If not, come to church. We'd love to see you. Have a chat and have a coffee. See you there.